0: This is a podcast from Real Life Sango in Clarksville, Tennessee. Thank you for being a part of our online community. We would love for you to join us at 8.30 or 10 a.m. on Sunday morning at the City Forum. In the meantime, if you would like to share a prayer request, make a financial contribution, or take a step at Real Life, you can text MISSION to 97000. Now enjoy the podcast. I invite you to turn to Ephesians chapter 6. As you turn to Ephesians chapter 6. I came across a Dear Abby article years ago. Dear Abby, if, you don't, if you're not familiar with what a Dear Abby article is, Dear Abby, it's kind of like this advice column in a newspaper. So if you had a question, you could write in your question, and whoever the Dear Abby person would be, they would write an answer, and they would publish it in the newspaper. And so I came across this one article titled, Why Don't Friends with Kids Have Time? Let's just read that title again. Why don't friends with kids have time? So let me read this article to you and, and see if uh, this uh, gives you a laugh or, or resonates with you. Dear Carolyn, best friend has child. Her, exhausted, busy, no time for self, no time for me, etc. Me, no kids, what'd you do today? Her, park, playgroup. Okay, I talk to parents, I don't get it. What do stay-at-home moms do all day? Please, no lists of library, grocery store, dry cleaners. I do all those things too. I guess what I'm asking is, is what is a typical day and why don't moms have time for a call or email? I work and am away from home nine hours a day plus a few late work events. I manage to get it all done. I'm feeling like the kid is an excuse to relax and enjoy. But if so, why won't my friend tell me the truth? Is this a contest? My life is so much harder than yours? What's the deal? I've got friends with and without kids, and all of us child-free folks have the same question. Tacoma, Washington. Dear Tacoma, Relax and enjoy. You're funny. Or you're lying about having friends with kids. Or you're taking them at their word that they actually have kids because you haven't personally been in the same room with them. I keep wavering between giving you a straight answer and giving my forehead some keyboards. To claim you want to to understand while in the same breath implying that the only logical conclusions are that your mom friends are either lying or competing with you is disingenuous indeed. So because it's validation you seem to want, the real answer is what you get. When you have young kids, your typical day is constant attention from getting them out of bed, fed, cleaned, dressed, to keep, keeping them out of harm's way, to answering their coos, cries, questions, to having two arms and carrying one kid, one set of car, one set of car keys, and supplies for even the quicker, quickest trips, including the latest to be declared essential piece of molded plastic gear to keeping them from unshelving books at the library, to enforcing rest times, to staying one step ahead of them lest they get too hungry, tired, or bored, any one of which produces checkout line screaming. It's needing 45 minutes to do what takes others 15. It's constant vigilance, constant touch, constant use of your voice, constant relegation of your needs to the second tier. It's constant scrutiny and second guessing from family and friends. It's resisting constant temptation to seek short-term relief at everyone's long-term expense. It's doing all this while currently teaching virtually everything. Language, manners, safety, resourcefulness, discipline, curiosity, creativity, empathy, everything. It's also a choice, yes, and a joy. But if you spend all day, every day, with this brand of joy, then when you get your first ten minutes to yourself, wanted to be alone with your thoughts instead of calling a good friend, a good friend wouldn't judge you, complain about you, or marvel how much, you, how much more productively she uses her time. Either make a sincere effort to understand or keep your snit to yourself. <laughs> I thought that might get a little roar of an Amen. This morning, I want to look at one verse that has three sections, and I want to apply it to three different seasons of motherhood. Certainly, there's more than three seasons of motherhood, but I want to look at one verse. If you've found your way to Ephesians chapter 6, would you just hold up your Bible? Let me know you're tracking with me. It's more important that you see the sacred scriptures than you hear what I have to say about the sacred scriptures. So let's look at Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 together and see what the Lord has for us. Are you there? You ready? Ready? Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Let's read it again. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Would you pray with me? Father, we pray now, speak to us. Give us an encouraging, strengthening word today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The the verse is broken down into three sections. Finally, section one, be strong in the Lord, section two, and in the strength of his might, section three. So the the first section is just finally. It's like a hinge word. In other words, Paul's saying, okay, now I've written all of Ephesians 1 through uh, chapter 1, verse 1 through chapter 6, verse 9. So finally, I'm going to share this with you. Don't miss this. In chapter 1, he talks about the majestic love of God that he's lavished upon us through his son, Jesus Christ. In chapter 1 of Ephesians, Paul writes and he says, before the foundation of the world, God predestined us as children. He he reminds us of the glorious gospel. In chapter 2, he tells us that we were saved by grace through faith. And then in, verse, in chapters 3 and 4, he begins to give us an ethic on how to live in light of being loved by God like this, live like this. And he, he encourages the church to be unified. He encourages the church to resist sexual immorality and live pure and distinct lives. And then he comes into the instructions to husbands and wives and parents and children and those that work and slaves and masters. And then he says, finally. I, I feel like it's kind of like... A, um, when I'm on an airplane, I usually, like, will put um, noise-canceling headphones on so I don't hear crying babies. <laughs> you guys didn't think that was too funny. Um, just thought it would just be great, right? You know, it, that, all right, um, note made. Um, but I put these headphones on, and, um, but, but after the flight, like, right when you're coming down and the flight's almost over, they come over the intercom and they start to talk. And for some reason, I feel like that's the most important thing. You know, it's it's like they're going to tell me something about my gate. They're going to tell me something about the weather. They're going to tell me something. Like, the flight's almost over. We gave you the instructions on the front end. And then here, finally. So I always take my headphones off, and I'm like, what are they saying? Because you can't ever hear them or understand what they're saying. It's like, what are they saying? And I feel like that's what's happening here in this letter. Paul's written this great letter with rich theology in, in strong instruction for the church. And now he says, finally. So what does he say after that? He says, be strong, in the Lord. I want to make clear, Paul does not say, and perhaps moms, this will be super liberating for you today, the apostle Paul doesn't say here, be impressive, he says be strong. We, We live in a culture of comparison. Where, where we feel like we're constantly competing with what others are projecting forward about their life and their lifestyle and all their victories and all their successes and the way they look and what they have and where they're visiting. And it's so easy to get caught in a comparison game where we feel like we too have to be impressive, but that's not Paul's instruction to the church. He says, be strong. Be strong in the Lord. When you understand this this exhortation in context, what you understand Paul to say is is be strong in your faith. Paul's ultimate goal in this last section of scripture is that that the Ephesians would not throw in the towel on their faith. That they would continue, listen, they would continue to trust the goodness of God. They would continue to believe that they're loved by God. They would continue to, to trust that God is for them. That they wouldn't doubt that the cross demonstrated God's perfect, unfailing love. That the resurrection sealed their salvation for them. That they wouldn't throw in the towel. That they would keep believing in the hardest season of persecution, in the most difficult season that they might face. The, The exhortation to be strong in the Lord was, keep trusting God. Maintain your faith. Keep believing in his goodness. This is so practical for moms, isn't it? In the middle of the night, the endless laundry, being a kid taxi, supporting your husband, getting to the school art night, the teacher appreciation week, paying bills—certainly, um, certainly, part of being strong in the Lord is loving the Lord more than you love your children. It's being courageous enough to parent your children with conviction. And one of the hard things for parents today, mom, see if this resonates, is the temptation to wanna to be your, friend's, um, your, your child's friend, their pal, or their, their BFF. It, it's, it's almost like somehow the goal is for when they get 18, for them to call us their best friends. Just let go of that as a goal. And take the goal to say, that they might say they were a good mom. Let their friends be their friends and you be their mom. You set boundaries and give them discipline when they get out of line and you give them comfort when they are sad. Be strong in the Lord. Keep believing in the goodness of God and in God's good design for motherhood. Well, then the next phrase is, and in the strength of his might. And this is so key. Because if you try to be strong in the Lord, if you try to do everything that God wants you to do in motherhood, if you continue to try to love God, if you continue to try to love your children and lead them well, and you try to do it in your own strength, out of your own ambition, out of your own determination, it'll be a dumpster fire. We've all experienced this in some way, haven't we? We, We've taken the reins of life, we've done it on our own, in our own strength, we've let intimacy with God fall to the wayside. And we find ourselves in a place of great frustration, making a mess of things. Listen, if you want to be a mom in your own strength, go for it. But it's not going to be a happy journey. The Lord has a better way. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. I hear the echo of John 15 here. John 15 where Jesus said, abide in me and you'll bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. So where does strong motherhood come from? It comes from abiding in Christ. I hear the echo of Philippians 4.13 where Paul says, um, you can do all things. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Listen, it's tough being a mom. <laughs> I can't say I know. <laughs> but it's tough, isn't it, moms? It's, it's, it's how many unseen sacrifices have you made that only the Lord knows about? And in the longing to be seen and appreciated in those moments and often it just goes unnoticed and uncelebrated, oh, how we need the strength of the Lord. The challenges of motherhood are are, are countless and it's like every season of motherhood has different challenges, isn't it? You you know, like when you bring a newborn home from the hospital, and it's like you have no idea why they're crying, you know? They're hungry. No, they're gassy. No, they're just, they want to talk, and they can't talk, so they're crying. Google it. No, don't Google it. You know that feeling? And then finally, when you get them to sleep through the night, and you feel like all is well with the world, and then they begin to teethe, and you're in a brand new season, and you're like, oh, my goodness. And you have these seasons that you go through and then it's the season of like, can I get my kid to quit hitting the other kid with the toy and the share? And and it's like every season of motherhood has its own unique challenges. The only way to flourish is to do it in the strength of the Lord's might. We need to be reminded we are weak and he is strong. We weep He comforts, we are broken, he heals. We run dry, he never does. We get tired, but he never needs sleep. We get anxious, but he is always calm. We get overwhelmed, and he is always at peace. We are foolish, and he is wise. We are limited, and he has no limits. So finally, be strong in the Lord. And in the strength of his might, Paul was writing this to the church. It, we'll see in coming weeks how he exhorts the church to put on the whole armor of God and he does this so that they might stand strong in their faith that they might continue to trust in Jesus and believe the gospel. but I want to apply it in three to three specific seasons of motherhood this morning. The first season I want to apply it to is the longing for season It's hard really hard when you want to be a mom and you've not entered into that season yet. Uh, I've talked with moms that are in that season and I've, um, I've, I've been with them as they've shed their tears and it's difficult to put into words the grief that you feel. Um, I love that the majority of the psalms in the Bible are lament psalms. In other words, it's good, right, and appropriate for the people of God to lament And God has given us prayers in the Psalms to lament. In other words, if you're suffering, if you're sad, if you don't have something that so many others have, you shouldn't conclude that something's wrong. Suffering is normal for the Christian life. Jesus told us if we're going to follow him, we must take up our cross. What a symbol of pain and suffering. And so if you're in that season of longing, uh, one of the ways that you can be strong in the Lord is to surround yourself with Christian people, to find a community group where people are going to support you and pray for you and love you through the pain. I do want to give one caution. One of the things I observe sometimes is, is that we make children an idol. How do you know if you've made something an idol? A good litmus test to know if we've made something an idol is is when we don't get what we want or something goes wrong, we act in an ungodly or sinful way. That's a good litmus test. Of if you act ungodly when something doesn't go your way, you've likely made that thing, whatever it is, an idol. And this can so happen in the church. Frankly, I feel like one of the greatest um, idols in the North American church is family. Because we love our family more than we love Jesus. We treasure our family more than we love Jesus. So how can we long for children and love children without making them an idol? We have to understand our identity comes from being a child of God and not being a mom. That's your identity. It's is a child of God, not, not a mom. We have to trust in the goodness of God, even in our longing and in our waiting. And when Paul says, be strong in the Lord, what he's exhorting the church to do is to stay strong in their faith. So it's so easy to doubt when you're in a season of longing to be a mom. It's so easy to doubt the goodness of God and the wisdom of God, the timing of God, the love of God. If God was loving and if God was wise, why would he be be withholding this from me? And so for those of you that are in a season of longing, a season of waiting, I just wanna say with a broken, tender heart to you today, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Don't grow bitter toward Him in your longing and in your waiting. Trust Him, abide in Him, draw your strength from Him. Are you longing more for a child to come into your life than you are for Jesus' return to the earth? Would you be mad if Jesus came back before you were able to have children? Those are good questions to ask ourselves to ensure that we're being strong in the Lord when we're in the longing for season. The next season, and again, I'm just, it's like so many seasons of motherhood, we could look back and talk about them, right? But the next one is the plate-spinning season. And I just kinda described the plate-spinning season as ages, like day one. to 18 years old. Because it just feels like those seasons are, I'm spinning plates, right? That's the next idea, plate spinning seasons. So look at these images and see if this doesn't feel like motherhood to you. Here comes, yeah, you just you feel like you get this going here and you get this going here and you get them here and you get them here and I can take care of them here and I read on one real lifers Facebook and got her permission to share this she wrote uh, this Friday. She said, I needed that rain that came all day Friday and canceled and pushed back lots of events for my kids. Hear me out. My daughter loves her softball, rec, travel, and middle school. My son loves his soccer and rollerblading, but this mom was on empty batteries. I will always drink an extra cup of coffee to go for my babies, but yesterday my body was breaking down. I knew it was coming. I tried to fight it all week. I could feel my anxiety uh, at an all-time high. I could feel the fight to get out of bed and I could feel the tears in the back of my eyes. For many of us, for many of the moms, you, you feel that way. You felt that way. Spinning the plates, exhausted by it all. Does God see me? Does God care? Is he with me? Is this, is this gonna make a difference? Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Don't forsake your time with the Lord. Don't forsake your relationship with God. Let your roots go deep with him. Let him fuel you. Let him empower you. And continue to trust in his goodness, no matter how difficult the season is. Paul wrote to the church, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might, because he knew that they would be tempted to to throw in the towel on their faith. What a practical exhortation for us today. The final season of motherhood that I just want to talk about this morning is missing motherhood. It's missing motherhood. It's that time when the kids turn eighteen, or they turn nineteen, or they turn twenty-one. Hopefully not when they turn thirty-two, but when they when they when they go out from your house, there's a natural transition that takes place when our children become adults. Some some families do it well, and some families really really struggle. But when our children become adults, there's a transition that happens where for their whole life, I've been their authority as their parent. And when they become adults, I now become their advisor. It's a hard transition for a lot of parents, precisely because we've made our identity in being their parent rather than in being a child of God. And if we found our identity in being that child's parent, then when that child becomes an adult, we find it particularly difficult to quit parenting them. I don't mean quit loving them, but I mean quit carrying that mantle of I'm the authority in their life, and I've got to protect them from everything, and I have to tell them everything that they need to do. It's a difficult, it's a difficult transition. And so if you find yourself in that season where you're missing motherhood, you look back and you miss those tender moments with your kids, you miss those moments where they were dependent upon you and you shared a tenderness and an intimacy, the Lord says to you, be strong in the Lord and trust God's design of motherhood. Indeed, when they soar out of the nest, that's just like like the goal of motherhood, right? The goal of motherhood is not to be your kid's best friend. It's to raise godly, healthy adults. The goal of motherhood is to get them into being a healthy adult. That's what we want. That's what we're aiming for, is healthy adult. Moms, I know it's hard. Uh, There's a distinction between mothering and loving. We continue to love our children. But some of us, if if we're in the missing motherhood stage, we must take a few steps back from mothering them. If we've done a good job parenting them, we need to trust them to make their own decisions as adults. We need to give them some breathing room. And and indeed, this is the confidence that they need from us for them to soar, is for us to say, hey, I know you got this, I know you got this. We must relate to our adult children differently than we did to when they were children. And this requires strong faith in God. It requires strong faith. And we can trust them to him. He is good. He loves them more than we do. <laughs> and we can trust them with him. I, I wanna close uh, today just with a tribute to my wife, the mother of my four children. We used to live in New York City and we lived in Harlem for a period of that time. and. Um, we had twins uh, a month after we moved to New York City and Jack was almost two at that time and we moved to Harlem Jack was about three and the twins were almost one and everywhere Susan would go in the city with our kids we had what I called the Hummer stroller it was a giant stroller with two twin seats and then like a jockey seat that where Jack sat over the twins and w- when we lived in Harlem it was this giant hill and we lived it about in the middle of the hill and so anytime Susan would be coming home from anywhere she'd have to pushed the, the big stroller up the hill. And as the twins got bigger and bigger and bigger, the stroller got heavier and heavier and heavier. I and mean, sometimes it's like full on, her wrists began to hurt. What would always amaze me is I would go to church early. I would, we, we lived at about 135th street and we, the church gathered down at 27th and Broadway. And, and I would get on down to church early. And so she would be there by herself with our three kids, three and under. And she would get them all clothed, all ready for church, diaper bag, everything ready, load them up and she'd go down that hill and down the road to the entrance of the subway. And she would wait for a stranger who was kind enough to help her carry the Hummer stroller down the stairs to the subway. And she'd get in the subway and the subways were always wonky on Sundays. So she'd have to wait for the subway. And then finally, she'd get on the subway. She'd take it down a hundred blocks. She'd get off, and she would have to wait for someone, hopefully, on that train that was kind enough to help her then carry the Hummer stroller back up the steps to come out of the subway, and then and then down the and then down the road. Church, can I tell you, this is um, my sweet wife was not late to church with our kids one time. Not once. They were sick a couple of times and she stayed home. But she did all that. (laughs) Down the stairs, up the stairs, three, in tow, all that. At church, on time, every Sunday. But she's not the hero of this story. She was strong in the in the Lord and in the strength of His might. I I don't tell you that story about Susan as the standard, but rather to inspire you. Your God is able, your God is able. Some of you, you feel like moms, you feel like the season that you're in, you cannot do it, you can, because your God is able. He is with you, He sees you, He is for you, He loves you. He is your God. He's not forgotten you. He's in the details, he's in the muck, he's in the mire. The Bible says that I, the Lord God, I will meet all of your needs according to my glorious riches in Christ Jesus. He will meet all of your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Moms, I don't have a clue, but he does. And I, I just kind of think this morning, I'm bringing some loaves and fishes and trusting Jesus to multiply it into your hearts to encourage you, to strengthen you, to inspire you. He sees you, he loves you, he's with you, and we're thankful for you. Let's pray. Father, thank you. You tell us in your word that every gift comes down from the Father of lights, and I thank you for our moms. It's amazing to me what they do, who they are, how they carry on, sometimes, without recognition, sometimes without a break. And I pray today that they might be strengthened by your spirit, that they might be strengthened to trust you, to trust the goodness of this season that they're in, that they would know you are truly working all things out together for their good. Encourage every mom. Lord, we bless you. We bless you for your strength and your supply never run dry. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. Let's sing out, church. Thank you for listening. We trust that God is stirring something special in your heart today. We hope to see you on Sunday very soon. Keep it real. Keep it, Jesus.